this is Sloika Darkroom. This is where we share stories and celebrate success of photographers in the Web3 space. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Sloika Darkroom. On today's Monday edition, I'm joined with Dima Shatrov, who is my co-host for Mondays, and we're going to dive into a cool conversation with the community um, about what was your most expensive photography mistake? I hope that we're going to get a lot of stories from the listeners. How are you doing, Dima? Hello, Pam. Hey there. Oh, okay. It looks like just it's you and me. No one else is here yet. I'm great, actually. <laughs> it's Monday. And uh, actually, I, I, I wrote you a DM. Um, I'll be here for another hour, then I'll be driving to a passport office, <laughs> hopefully to collect my passport, and uh, I'll be driving, and uh, uh, there are chances are I'll, I'll be wrecked, but uh, I'll do my best to, to stand in line, <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy, I sure hope the passport office treats you well this time. <laughs> yeah, well, actually, you know what? Uh, two days ago, uh, on, on Thursday to be exact, uh, I had to stay from midnight for 12 hours in line to actually apply. And I applied and today I hope to get it back. <laughs> it's really crazy. Wow, that's a very analog process there for the <laughs> Canadian I like this word, an analog process, exactly. Yeah, like I feel like they really ruined completely. The, the government system is ruined now because uh, after the COVID, they did so many stupid mistakes. They fired a lot of people and uh, there are still limitations because of the federal buildings and this and that. Anyway, <laughs> we got to talk about the most expensive mistakes. And I think this is one of the most expensive mistakes for the, for the government. But uh, <laughs> it's not our mistake anyway, but <laughs> they did it. Yeah. How you been doing? Yeah. How, how's your Monday? Um, it's going well. It's going really good. I I um I did spend a little time over the weekend um thinking about uh what we might what kind of stories we might be hearing today and what maybe what kind of story I could be telling today. Um, but uh, yeah, I I actually got to go snorkeling a couple times um over the weekend, different locations here around San Diego, and I got to meet a lot of like really cool underwater sea creatures. <laughs> so I had a good time. Yeah. How about had... you? How was your weekend? Uh, it was okay. Um, I took a couple of days off because honestly, I felt so tired. Uh, well, seven plus months on Spaces and uh, Twitter. Like I feel I'm like I'm really devastated. But uh, I took a couple of days off, and I'm much better now. So uh, you know what? I think we're all addicted <laughs> to, to NFT community. I don't know why, but uh, we haven't seen each other IRL. <laughs> That's really weird. But uh, I don't know, but I cannot resist. I'm back, and uh, I'm good actually. Yeah, I spent some time with my kids and wife, and uh, we've been outside for hours. And uh, I'm back. It's Monday, so let's just let's just have some fun. Let's just make it better. Yeah, yeah it's Monday. So, I'll, 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 so who, who, who would be the first person? <laughs> yeah. So who would be the first person to tell spooky story today? Who would be our first speaker? Well, hi, Olga. We've, we've invited Olga to the stage. Uh, how are you doing today, Olga? Hello, everyone. Hey, Olga. So Good to see you. Great to see you all. Oh, a little bit with heat problem. It's my huge headache, you know. I have concussion nine years ago, so it's it, it's not so easy for me in a 
in the uh, very hot weather, but uh, yeah, just pretty okay. Try to be okay and creating the remnants of uh, important stuff for my real life exhibitions. So yeah, I do have fun story for sure. I can share some. So yeah, let's I do hear it. So <laughs> let's hear. Okay, it will be shortly. Um, in 2017, 19, I uh, use a lot of long exposure with tripod, you know, Maine, have a wonderful landscape, rivers, lakes. And I've been myself in, in a, around the river and some trails. There was second part of the day and I put tripod and probably I hit the legs of tripod. So my camera rolled to the mud and I jumped myself to the mud and race tried to rescue the um, camera definitely um, and i don't have anything to like a towel or whatever i take away all clothes from me and start drying my camera so partially i've been sitting half naked and this has been a trail three men walking around and told woman are you okay and i'll yeah i'm okay i actually didn't remember that i was been almost fully naked and they asked several times, oh, yes, yes, yes. And then I realized that's how I really weird looks. So, but you know, this camera still being survived well. And the I photograph even my, after that, my urban spirit series that you have in Sloika. So it's still been all good. Um, but I know some story from guys that been driving from Massachusetts and other states to wonderful lighthouses to photograph in Maine and South Maine. Then they arrive, they discover there's no memory cards, no battery, anything. I cannot imagine that people can go into such type trip and forgot everything. Then he shared that. I thought, oh boy, but it can happen. So I don't know what, how it happens, but it is. This sounds like a quite the humor situation if they came across you and you were, you know, shedding clothes in order to dry off your camera. Um, did was your was your camera able to be rescued after this dunk into the to the mess? Yeah, I, it's water water resistant, waterproof, weather resistant, weatherproof camera. And actually, that's what I said. I even been after that photograph all my urban spirits that you have on Sloika. So I camera worked well after that. It was really surprised. I broke in only hood and that's nothing, nothing really big damage was. So it's quite pretty lucky. But I do understood that I probably looked very, very weird naked on the, on the half of the trail in the forest alone myself getting close to evening so yeah but but it is okay i survive <laughs> camera survive the that happy is, end as, lo as long as you survive uh, oh, yeah olga as, as long as you survived it's fine camera is just a tool right uh, who yeah. cares about the camera you can buy a new one even better but uh, you are the most valuable thing behind the camera <laughs> yeah yeah, camera we can buy. It's a cruel story happened that 
we I send it to repair my camera for one guy. It is simple been things to fix, but what happens? He actually damaged camera, and I have to buy new one. That was not a good experience. We bought little bit higher level. It's four situations that probably universe told you don't want to buy camera. You have to buy camera. <laughs> so that was a new camera being been bought. So yeah, it happens. I was going to uh, Olga since you were mentioning your urban spirit uh, series. I'm going to pin that to the top here, and um, so people can see uh, see about that. Let's see. I've got well. Let I'll I'll pin what you've got uh, into the top. But if there's another one yeah. that you'd like to share, we'll do that as well. And of course, um, for anyone who's seen Olga's photography, it's a it's a it's a beautiful. She 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 is a. Um, an, an artist who can create the feeling of being in a city or the essence of being in a city um, through some really beautiful techniques of uh, in-camera multiple exposure as well as intentional camera movement and all of these things. So it's really important that she has a good working camera. <laughs> and I think uh, I, I'm really glad that, uh, that you were able to save that one. And it was the one you used to, to create Urban Spirits. Beautiful, beautiful work. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, Pam, thank you, Pam. And yeah, this is actually also all serious how I created. I have in many spaces only a few minutes because I do a lot of homework uh, before trip. My husband don't like travel and I would love still in the travel, catch something. And I prepare where we'll be, where we still need to be in a certain um, uh, New York, San Francisco, whatever. At least from any trip, grab some pieces that I will be happy to have. So it's a challenge for me. It's another kind of challenge. And I'm happy that it's still going. Uh, my challenge, I overcome that and created some. Even it took me a few minutes in them. Um, in the area and I have to be precisely focused to have to achieve my visions and make it my homework what I done before really in real life so this is how I create all of those series it maybe looks like I did a twisting camera or whatever but it took me a lot of homework before every trips to make it happens so yeah thank you So, Olga, I was going to ask you also, um, do you have some work that's now at a museum or a gallery in real life? You want to tell us about what's going on there? Um, the museum been finished exhibition. It was like you see my avatar, or how I call it. So this type of work being um, exhibited in Griffin Museum of Photography, recently been featuring in Los Angeles Club. It's basically been exhibited in New York, Los Angeles, I think San Francisco. Um, yes, and this last was solo show in the Griffin Museum. In Friday, I have director of that museum visiting me. We talk about uh, perspective situations, what will be, how will be another possible show or any kind of goals we can set up. So it was a treat to have 
director of museum visiting me and uh, share her visions, told me her perspective about different type of my work. So, and also I can say for a photographer who is some clubs or maybe um, um, fine art photography, especially if they are approaching curator. One curator may be hate work and another love the work. So don't be judge yourself and cry and next can be laughing. So it's very subjective. What one will love, another will not. The same as your audience. Some will love, some will hate it. And it doesn't should be damage us or make us cry or something. <laughs> so we should keep going to do what we love and put our love and soul to all our craft to continue create it, share our vision. Eventually, one or another collector or art lover will catch our work and it will be. But we do. Uh, it's mostly how we, I am basically expressing myself through that and sharing my vision. Wow. Uh, I love this shot, Olga. Actually, this shot is uh, my favorite from your series. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, on party for your new edition on Sloika. So I'm really looking forward, forward to see it and uh, congrats one more time. And actually, your art is a beautiful example of... Uh, dilemma which says you know what equipment doesn't matter at all like the, the only person behind the camera which does matter so i think you can take any camera any iphone and make great shots because again uh, i know your art for like many months and uh, you're a really really amazing person i love it thanks <laughs> thanks dima thank you and, uh, and again talking about uh, about uh, pleasing everyone like we're not a hundred dollar bill to please everyone right so if someone doesn't yeah. like it so i'll just forget about it ask him to go somewhere else and check other works there are plenty of different arts <laughs> and uh yeah everyone can find something for for his own yeah as i said we are not the wine to make everybody happy so let's keep to do what we love to do and that's fine yeah uh let me just uh, okay the spooky time spooky stories time yeah um i just uh actually you you, you while i've been talking uh, i remember the story uh, about with the happy ending actually uh i was doing a photography tour in israel once and um uh, there was a girl in my group and she suddenly dropped her canon camera into the dead sea and the reason is because she used the Manfrotto tripod. Um, it's like specifically, like specially designed by enemies of the mankind. Like really, I don't know who were designers of uh, Manfrotto tripods, but definitely they hated photographers. Anyway, uh, the water that Dead Sea is, um, it's not, not really a water, if you don't know. It's like um, um, super saturated uh, solution, like uh, liquid. It's like thick. If you, if you touch it, it's like 37% uh, salty liquid. And uh, that girl, she just waved her hands and said, oops, <laughs> and this is it. Camera is on, on, on the bottom of the Dead Sea. And uh, we just picked up her camera and quickly poured it uh, with bottles of drinking water uh, over this camera. And uh, you know what? The camera started to work because the water from the Dead Sea was so thick that simply it didn't have time to go inside, like penetrate inside. And as a result, this Canon camera survived. And uh, probably it's only only 
Canon camera survived the Dead Sea, I think, but uh, was working for years after. So yeah, there are sometimes there are happy stories, but um, unfortunately, not always. And we'll have more spooky stories today, I believe. <laughs> wow. Well, that person was very lucky that this. Uh, if you're gonna drop your water, uh, drop your camera into the water. I guess it should be into the Dead Sea around. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and you're doing. actually. Yeah, the, the funniest part was then she actually waved her hands and told us, oops, like, oh, my God, what did I do? Like, nothing. You just killed your camera. <laughs> nothing fancy happened. The most expensive photo tour. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, the camera survived. Oh, man, I'm glad. And were the pictures intact that were on the SD or the compact flashcard or were they? No, the it, pictures it, it, survive? Yeah, they survived completely. Yeah, because for pictures, it's really it doesn't matter because it, they are all digital, right? The, the the most difficult part is if that salty thing goes into your camera inside and kills your sensor, and that's this is it. You can just put it on your uh, bookshelf and uh, <laughs> keep it for uh, other generations. It's like a mummy, but uh, no, the camera survived. Like a mummy. <laughs> it's like, this is what cameras used to be like. <laughs> That's great. Um, well, as as you can hear, we're sharing stories today. Um, we thought we'd, we'd kick it off by uh, chatting about maybe what was the, one of the most expensive mistakes that you've made in photography. And it doesn't actually have to be with gear. It could be, um, you know, with some other mistake that, that you made. Um, we heard last week about uh, people, you know, accidentally forgetting their to their tripod in the middle of Yellowstone and different things like that. So that's what inspired us to, to just kind of throw it out as a topic. But if anyone else would like to join us on stage with a, uh, with their own story, um, you'd be most welcome to, uh, to do that. And Olga, if you have any more stories, we'd love to hear those too. So far, I'm thinking though, that these particular stories haven't been too expensive. They've just been like shocking <laughs> because it's like, oh dear, I dropped it what or it's been drugged through the mud um but we've so far we've had really good uh outcomes <laughs> so maybe it wasn't something that cost too much but um i know that people have have told stories of lo losing their drone or you know maybe dropping a lens or things like that and we don't have to uh, focus on the bad part of those stories but just kind of the circumstances around it and uh, hey, Laura, it's good to see you. Welcome to the stage. Do you have a story to share with us? Hey, Pam. Hey, everyone. How are you? I'm um, taking profit that this space is very cozy. We are a few here. So I will tell you some like, it's like a confession. I lost lots of money, not mine. Um, first of all, Dima, it was a Canon camera. You pointed out that. What would happen if it was a, an icon? Well, actually, I think uh, any camera would survive, but we were making fun because uh, I'm an icon person. And uh, there is a, if there's a chance to make fun of Canon camera, I always do. <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh, yeah, it's just one of those stories. Then uh, we have a good reason to make fun of it. But uh, <laughs> I think any camera would survive because, again, this salty water is uh, too thick to go inside in seconds. Yeah. If you leave it for an hour, yeah, forget about the camera. But uh, it will most likely kill the rubber um, uh, uh, elements of the camera. Yeah, so because it's it's very dangerous to leave something inside the water, let's say. Okay, okay. So we don't have a sponsor yet. Okay. And another thing, you you mentioned about uh, a tripod. 
And I don't know if it was you or Subod the other week, maybe, or year, that were telling about a story about uh, hitting a dog with a, with a tripod. Maybe it was Subod, yeah. but I, I yeah, It was yeah. me. Oh, it was you. Uh, it was, I it was me. Know. Yeah, yeah. Actually, Sorry, no, no. Uh, it, it, and it wasn't actually, it was pretty scary because uh, the dog, it was a, it's like a shepherd dog and the Caucasian shepherd dogs are very smart and they're dangerous. They never kill you, but they, uh, they attack you and they hold you on the ground. They step on you. And if you, if you try to move, they basically bite you and, uh, they, and they're going to wait for the owners to come. And it's their strategy. So I was using uh, aluminum tripod Manfrotto made, by the way, and, uh, it was a really great weapon and it saved my, not life, but, um, well, I would say <laughs> trip for sure, because we were in the middle of climbing uh, on, on the Albrus Mount. And uh, this tripod basically was my lifesaver at the time. Yeah. But uh, if we talk about photography, um, I would say stay away <laughs> of their um, heads and their um, uh, plates, because Manfrotto makes, uh, that's what they call three quarter inch uh, plate. And it's the worst plate ever you can get for your camera. <laughs> I have a lot of spooky stories uh, about dropping cameras from those uh, heads and plates, but uh, it's something different, yeah. So legs are fine, but heads are definitely not. Amazing story. I couldn't speak at that moment, but I needed... I, I Maybe you, you, you told it, but I didn't hear it, uh, about the dog survived. That was very important for me. No, 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 of course. Uh, actually, you cannot even harm the dog because those dogs are um, raised to actually fight wolves. And uh, it's huge. Like, really, it's like, a, it's like almost a bear in size. And uh, you can, even if you hit it, like really hit, you would do nothing to the dog. And again, what I did, I was actually uh, trying to wave this tripod, actually keep this dog on a distance. And uh, I didn't really this dog was so smart. Oh, my God. If I ever get uh, another dog in my life, I would definitely take a shepherd dog because they're too damn smart. Yeah. Okay. So, no, no, so no. it was a no fair harm. fight. It was a fair <laughs> fight. I'm okay. Yes, exactly. It was mind to mind. And uh, basically, it was fight of uh, <laughs> two minds, basically. <laughs> yeah. And... Uh, uh, and the revenge from the dog was actually, uh, uh, it took me extra, extra two hours to go around and climb uh, uh, like cliffs. And uh, I actually got to my camp uh, four hours after I planned <laughs> originally. So the dog actually was okay. But anyway, there was another scary story. <laughs> okay, thank you, Dima. I love your stories. Well, mine is very, um, very much sad. Uh, it was I was working in, in fashion. It starts very. It, it starts terrible, and I I used to work with a producer that was very disgusting, but he was amazing. So I used to stand her because I learned a lot. It was like everything she said very in a very bad way. She has uh, the right. So um, I was okay, and I worked. Uh, some years with her but at some point she delegate the producing part to a girl a girl that uh, would, uh, would um, administer the budget and so she did a very low budget production 
so at some point and also very like messy totally messy and i think my mistake at this point was saying yes to that i should have quit at the because i i i knew this for the very first moment i saw her and and i saw her priorities but i continued so at some point we were shooting uh, like two days or maybe no not two days but a lot of, of of photos and i had to to back up them like rushing because the logis logistics were terrible and we had to i don't know run all the time running 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 i don't know why so i did it in a rush and i don't know what black magic happened because it never happened to me but all the photos were missing like model makeup production transport everything missing 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 absolutely and i tried to like um bring alive the 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 sd card but it was absolutely dead void and totally amnesic so i quitted at that point i told them okay i would do this for free and I've, i would never work with you again <laughs> bye and i think it was my maybe the last time i worked one of the last times i worked for for fashion and i don't know exactly how much money i lost but it was a lot wow i'm so sorry that happened i can imagine the sweat <laughs> that starts happening when you're like in discovery of the fact that all of these photos from the shoot were just missing what what was going through your mind i don't know i was exactly like, like the sd card i was like oh wow um i i well nothing i just at the same at the same time i said i i said to myself well i there's nothing i can do i just admit my fault and i do whatever i i can but i would never go through this again that that was i think it's not the first but the second instant thing that crossed my mind and i never went through that same thing again Wow, it's it's so sad, Laura. I'm sorry. Uh, we all have stories like this, and actually, that's why in uh, modern cameras there are two slots, and um, uh, it's either SD or CF or uh, XQD, uh, and there is an option you can actually, uh, while shooting, you can make a copy on the fly, so you'll have uh, ex two exact same copies on two different SD cards or like, whatever cards. Because yeah, exactly because of this, because at some very important uh, photo sessions, you you don't have you don't have a privilege actually to lose your materials. And oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Once I forgot. Yeah, but I, I was but, needing a, a, yeah. an assistant. I was doing another things. I needed an assistant to to back up that, and it was like I don't know, ten years ago or something. But you know, low budget because all the all that this girl saved was for her pocket. Yeah, let's see. Ten years ago, they didn't have it. Uh, I think the first camera with a, like dual slots came. Uh, actually, no, they had a, a Nikon forty uh, four. I think the first camera was like this. But no, still, um, there was always a chance uh, actually to lose your. Uh, 
material on a, fla- on a flashcard because they they die from time to time and uh, oh, I, f- I feel your pain even now <laughs> i think we all do <laughs> sorry about that i do too and laura i was just thinking though like what what might have happened if you continued shooting fashion it sounds like you know, or that taking that kind of job, it sounded like it wasn't really jiving with you in the first place. So maybe this was a really good thing to have happened because you could make a really clear decision. Like I am not doing this anymore. Well, especially with someone like that producer who comes in and is just trying to cut so many corners. I mean, that's part of the reason, you know, the accidents happen um, in on, on set and in production. And if someone is just, you know, doesn't have the resources that they need, um, so yeah, I can see where like an assistant might have helped you out in that situation, but um, I could also hear it in your voice when you were like, and we were running from place to place to place, and it's like but we, I couldn't tell why. It's like because that person was trying to get way too much work out of creative people um, for low budget. That's what it sounds like. That sounds like a nightmare. And I'm yeah, glad you it, dodged yeah, it. Thank you. Thank you, thank you both for filling me. But I, a detail that is not a, a small detail is that this was in Uruguay. In Uruguay, you know, it's a, it's like in my country, uh, it's everything is low budget, but a bit pretentious about fashion anyway. So I used to work sometimes for Brazil, and it was absolutely different. But fashion in Uruguay is like what. Uh, Maybe it's not the the best place to develop a um, a fashion career. Yeah, and actually, that's one of the advices I learned from my experience: like never save on the cars, on SD cards, because uh, if you buy cheap, uh, there's always a risk to to get uh, the bad card. Because some sellers, some uh, manufacturers, they lower the price by dropping the quality uh, of the SD card. And uh, they basically, what they do, they label a defective cards as the good ones. And uh, let's say you get cards for 64 um, gigabytes, right? And in fact, it was proven for like uh, 32 or 48, whatever. And they mark it as 64. And as a result, uh, once you limit, uh, you, you reach your limit of the card, you may actually destroy it completely. Uh, there are stories like that. And uh, yeah, so never buy cheap cards. Like, safe on something else yeah i think it's just the advice i would like to share with everyone guys yeah i know it's uh it's still money but yeah but um, sometimes it's very important to actually save your <laughs> photo session yeah and another thing <laughs> sorry about again uh i just remember i uh, had a guy in new zealand with me on the photo tour and uh the day before his trip uh he gave his camera for sensor cleaning and uh, every time uh, in every country, they then they clean the sensor, they uh, reset uh, all the settings of the camera, and as a result, then you get your camera back from the service, you get it in JPEG mode, not in RAW format. And uh, this guy, oh, poor, poor soul. <laughs> so basically, uh, he didn't realize it, and then he got his camera back. And uh, for uh, three quarters of the trip he was shooting in JPEG instead of RAWs, and uh, he realized it, uh, like, three days before the end of the trip and you should see his face. It just became pale. Like then he realized it and he almost got a heart attack 
because we like New Zealand uh, to fly from Europe is like a lifetime trip, right? And uh, he basically wasted it. And uh, so check your cameras, guys, SD cards. And uh, yeah, anyway, some spooky stories today. So, so I want to hear more, Laura, about um, like after the situation happened, like did you tell your friends about it or like how did you process what happened? I know inside yourself, you're like, okay, I made a straight up determination. I am never doing this again. I'm never working for like this producer in this situation again. But like, how did you process it at the time? Um, like at the end of that day or like the next day, did you have friends that you could commiserate with? Do you know other photographer friends who would like, yeah. you could tell about um, this? Or? I, was, I was absolutely like, I, I almost forgot it until now. <laughs> I was thinking about uh, expensive mistakes and the first thing that came to my mind is what it was like working for free. That is, it's not only uh, an expensive thing for, for oneself, but it's also uh, a common mistake in photography because that's how the market gets lower and lower. But at some point I remember this, but at, at that moment, I think I was like, very bad with myself I was like trying to get over it I, I got over it because I was not just working on that I always I always was working between mar digital marketing and that so I started uh, focusing more on this other side of my this other parallel career and that's how I ended up like working full-time on digital marketing and eventually doing some photo shootings like campaigns for for clients that were like very loyal and uh, and it was like fun working with them um, and then and that's it but you know I, I try not to, to 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 talk about that because it was so disgusting I, I mean I I commented it to my to my best friends or my family but it was not like uh, like going through is this again it was like trying to get over oh i can i i just have that uh, i just have so much empathy for you would <laughs> going through that um you said that the, the shoots are different in brazil how how are they different and like did you shoot in brazil as well um and like what what would you make what suggestions would you make to that uruguay a producer to to run a set differently. Well, I don't blame Uruguay. I, I I love Uruguay, but I know that it's a very small country, so it's difficult. But what I would really say is that if you don't have a budget, don't be pretentious. That's the first thing. Do it small, but it will be okay. But I don't know maybe sometimes um there com some there's some competitiveness or whatever or you have to to deliver to a client or whatever and but i think this is the first mistake in uh, when you don't have enough budget and in brazil there's more, more money and and they are like more competitive in the in the healthy way and they are very like on time they say eight and it's at eight and they like you don't have to in Uruguay it's very common that you have to ask 
the client to pay you like two or three times and you don't have a, an expected pay payout day and like Brazilians are like uh, a clock like like are, are like more more like also like um I think also in United States they are they are like very like like clockwork and in some other countries we are a bit more um messy in that sense and I think mess is also a waste of money Yeah I think that could be true um if things are not organized, you know, there's just, there's waste that happens or there's, you know, like confusion, there's lost time, lost resources. Um, did you, did you find that um, besides the producer were, did you have any um, reaction from the other artists that you were photographing, like the makeup or the hair artists and even the, the fashion models themselves or the designer? Like, did you get any uh, feedback from them when it, when it was discovered or was the producer the only one who knew? what had happened no the good ones uh, i mean everyone except the, the, the girl that was producing and making us run were like empathic like you are guys because uh, the ambient was uh, not comfortable so it was a bit predictable as i as i started my story but yeah i felt terrible i i, I was the uh, like feeling terrible for them so they were like no it's okay it's okay <laughs> but uh, yeah we, we repeated the, some uh, the shootings so at, the, at some point uh, we did it and they were okay but I, I was uh, I was uh, already over this and now I'm feeling bad again <laughs> no it's okay it's okay I'm okay oh no no don't feel bad again <laughs> I was going to say, I think, um, so for, for one thing, sharing stories like this, it's I, like what I'm hearing is like you had this like very clear delineation for yourself. You're like, okay, I got into the situation and, um, you know, like you could see some signs of like why things like this happened. There was a, there was like not enough resources to really support and you're like, I'm not going to do this again. And you're sticking up for yourself. And so I would just cl claim like that part of the story from here going out. You'd be like, yeah, I'm a badass. And I'm, <laughs> I'm not doing that anymore. You know, it's like learning lesson. I mean, you'd have to pay a lot of money to go to a photography school and learn something like that. So uh, <laughs> you could consider like it was a one day, one day yeah, really important I lesson. I want to keep that part too, that I, I, I learned the lesson and yeah. Uh, it's okay um, and that's it I felt good because at the end I, I didn't uh, I, I didn't uh, took any money for that job I didn't want to, to any payout and I just uh, made the, the, um, the final photos and just left with, uh, <laughs> with nothing no debts and nothing Well, thank you so much for sharing that story. And like you said at the beginning, it's like, well, I have kind of a confession. <laughs> well, that's what we're here for, for you. Like, don't feel bad. <laughs> um, yeah, you know what? I feel what? like you came out of it strong. Uh, Pam, uh, Laura, it's like visiting uh, a psychoanalyst because then you relieve your old experience. You basically let it go, right? So, yeah, we are here today, <laughs> like in the doctor's office. 
Yeah, thank you. I feel much better. <laughs> like 10 years with oh, this. Oh, good. <laughs> and now I feel like much better. Thank you. Well, I think stories like this happen to all of us. And, and that's why we're just like, well, let's let's just throw it out there. I mean, if, if someone has a story that they would like to share, I mean, it doesn't have to be like the most expensive mistake you've ever made. Like Laura was describing, you know, for, for her, it was expensive for her because she spent all this time and it didn't didn't get paid. But also, you know, the resources that went into the first part of the shoot that weren't um, actually captured. Those are some that's someone else's money. But, yeah, it was it was out the door uh, because time is money on those types of shoots. Um, and so if anyone else has a story they'd like to share, it could be just even a crazy story like um <laughs> like really minor, like one that I had as a kid, like I dropped my lens cap off the rim of the Grand Canyon. I was like, oh, that's a goner, but that's only like, you know, five bucks. So not a problem, <laughs> except during, um, there was a time uh, that, uh, yeah, even lens caps, you could spend an awful lot of money for when there were like supply chain problems. But I do have a couple of my own stories, but I'm not going to start telling those until we get a few more people up here sharing theirs. <laughs> Um, unless I'm forced into it, of course. And I know, Dima, we have you for like another 20 minutes or so um, because you're headed off to uh, to go once again do the analog passport office and mm -hmm. uh, yeah. finish up that office. whole process. <laughs> yeah. let, let me share my spooky story just like uh, I made it post uh, like 20 minutes ago. Um, yeah, let, this is a shot and it was done in Georgia and Cahitia. And uh, this shot from Georgia was the last shot made by my um, the second Nikon D850 camera. I had two before, now I got only one. Uh, because I'll, after a couple of seconds of, of the shot, my camera fell down together with a tripod to the bottom of the deepest gorge. And, and it, it just basically flew a dozen, maybe even more of vertical meters. And uh, hit uh, her like with tender body, right, <laughs> on the harsh Kaheti rocks, and this is it. It was end of story for the camera, and I brought it to NPS Nikon Professional Service, and they told me uh, that uh, uh, the, her body was cracked. It was magnesium case, right? It was cracked, and uh, uh, those jumble of funny-looking parts are incompatible with life <laughs> and cannot be repaired. That's what they told me, and I still got these so uh, funny-looking parts on my bookshelf, and uh, so I had to temporarily switch back to Nikon D4 at the time, and uh, now I have my only one D850. <laughs> Thinking about mirrorless camera again, but uh, yeah, you never know when your camera is gonna fall and. Uh, make a last shot basically it was my mistake because um, the rock was uh, slippery and uh, i put a tripod beautiful rs tripod really right stuff and tripod survived surprisingly because i think i hit it by uh, like by camera not by tripod and uh, the reason uh, is actually fall because uh, there was a girl behind me who actually asked me to give her a hand and uh, i just turned to give her a hand and they just touched this tripod with my backpack and this is it. Like, oh, my God. Boom. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, some spooky stories today. <laughs> um, well, OK, so I'm glad you at least uh, captured this card. I'm so sorry that that happened. These uh, these cameras, even with their with their rugged bodies, don't survive a fall that far. Um, did like how did you how did you manage to uh, 
finish up the trip. Did you have another body or anything? Uh, yeah, I had a D4 uh, on me. And again, because I was uh, basically guiding the tour, right? So I, again, I was helping people around. Uh, I, I didn't even need to take shots. And uh, it was okay. I even kept the face. <laughs> and you know what? Surprisingly, the lens survived. And uh, the tripod and lens and even head survived because I think uh, the, first, uh, the, the first piece that hit the rock was the camera and uh, it just cracked. And <laughs> yeah, I, I still get it on my bookshelf. So maybe I'll take a picture of it and I'll, I'll mint it. I'll make NFT out of it and just <laughs> dispose it after all. <laughs> there are those cameras that... <laughs> That that's what their destiny is, is just to sit on the shelf. Olga, I see your hand up. I just wanted to add a couple of words because Dima started talking about his leading workshop. Maybe idea uh, of sharing story of leader of workshop. I know them story, for example, give example. Uh, the group of arriving in Ireland and weather was hazard. The people been blocked in the hotels and there was no electricity. It can be nightmare of leader work workshop and how they can handle that situations because especially landscape, if they block inside, what the heck they can do five days, for example, if they no chances to go anywhere. I know this is happens. And if it may be kind of interesting idea to share in a, some another time, I just drop ideas like that because uh, I see what yeah. Dima told. Well, I, I, I can I can talk about this for you for hours and hours and hours because I got 15 plus years of experience yeah, behind me. Uh, yeah, actually, uh, just again, uh, in your example, there is always a plan B and plan C. Because okay, uh, if if you go to uh, places like um, uh, like Patagonia, right, where it's windy and uh, the weather is unpredictable and it can change like five times per day, or yep. uh, Island, right, and uh, places like this, there's always a chance there will be no light at all. Period, right. So that's why I have plan B. But uh, I can tell you another story actually from a beautiful place called Provence, right, France. Like, just imagine, it's just not a, not a scary story. July, and it's uh, lavender time, and there uh, are mm -hmm. lavender fields near Valençol, and it's a pilgrimage, and there are thousands of photographers every year from all over the world. I, I bet you know the place, right? So that's a, it's a legendary place. It's like a dead lay in Namibia. Anyway, uh, and I've been taking groups there for many years, but every year uh, you have to come early before the group. To, ma to mark those filming points. And uh, you need to mark those fields that lavender has not been cut yet. Uh, why you need to check uh, viewpoints? Not only because of um, harvesting, but uh, because every year they change directions of those, um, uh, how do you call these places, uh, the field. Well, they may change it from lavender to uh, uh, not crop, but uh, to weed or to some wraps and things like that. So they change different, uh, um, uh, different, uh, blah, blah. Oh, geez, what's, what was it? Like today? different crops? Yeah, like yeah, they rotate crops. the yeah, crops. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, rotate, yeah, thanks. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. So you have to check all the viewpoints. And, uh, uh, the, and just imagine this July, right? And lavender is reap. And you need to uh, uh, take time to take a shot before the harvester cuts it. And so uh, 
just the first day of photography. And uh, we got up at four o'clock in the morning and went uh, to the down point. And everyone is sleepy and angry because uh, they flew the day before and they drank the whole evening and half of a night. And now they're angry and unhappy. And it's like 5 a.m. And we just uh, pull up to the amazing with a uh, few trees on the background. Uh, there are places like that, a couple of them. And we can see this beautiful field and we just about set up our tripods. But then a minute after we see a harvester. He just drives from the right side and he start to cut this lavender crop and this beautiful pay down light just in front of us. And uh, like in 10 minutes, it just destroyed our uh, foreground and almost background completely, and you should see uh, my, <laughs> my my guys, and uh, the, you should hear the words they, they told me. <laughs> but, uh, what what well, what can you do if they just completely those harvesters destroyed your? Uh, 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 well, we just jumped into the car and we immediately drove to the plan B point, but it was not the same. So probably it was the most expensive <laughs> sunrise for me because they almost nailed me for that. <laughs> because it was my fault, of course, right? <laughs> yeah, I should predict this. Right? Yeah, it's always your fault. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, oh, that's yeah. things like that. But no, no, no. Uh, if you go to lavender fields, and actually uh, there is still a chance to go there now, guys. Uh, don't miss it if you're around uh, Provence because uh, this year uh, the harvest is very good. And again, check your uh, viewpoints before actually uh, you go there in the morning, because chances are they'll be collected uh, like day before. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that yeah, is a terrible story. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dima, for sharing that. Yeah, I know it can be A, B, C, but if everything you already have it can be extra, some special plan that uh, you yep, have. Yep. It there, can... is a, there is a plan Z. Always Z, plan, okay, Z. good. <laughs> uh, or like X, Y, Z, like the last one, and it's called uh, drink <laughs> and enjoy <laughs> coffee. <laughs> Just see the drink. Yeah, great. Yeah. But you know what happens in the Dublin? The old pub being closed. They don't have that plan Z at all. It was awful for that. It can be nightmare for the leadership uh, workshop. So, yeah, it's creativity. You have to be creative. It's just the conclusions. We have to be very, very creative. Thanks, Dima. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Olga, for asking, actually. No, it's a good idea to share stories like this. Uh, I had actually a friend of mine, um, and he brought a group to Patagonia maybe six, seven years ago. I don't remember uh, what it was time. And it was a two-week trip in Patagonia, very, well, expensive. And uh, they didn't have any single day of good light. It was rainy, windy, and this is it. And, uh, well, it was probably the most difficult time he had uh, there with the group because they flew, like, half of the world, right? And they were expecting something, and they, they get nothing. Yeah, so, well, there are things you cannot predict, unfortunately. You can just work on plan B, C, whatever, but still, there are always a risk like that. But I thought that photographers, especially landscape photographers, like the bad weather. 
Did they not appreciate this kind of bad weather? Uh, yeah, but at least you, you, you'd like to see mountains in the background, like in Argentina or Chile. But if it's rainy like crazy and just no mountains and just everything is gray and miserable and uh, there is nothing to shoot. It just rains like crazy and windy. <laughs> yeah. No, but uh, sometimes there's, there are really, really bad conditions. You cannot do anything, but uh, yeah. So what you want is a break in the weather, because the break in the weather, those transitions, either when the storm is rolling in or maybe is just clearing out, I guess that that's probably those those points are when the light is the most beautiful, isn't it? Yes, Pam, exactly. Yesterday I was in the, in the lake, I came to swimming and it was just mass and age spectacular performance. Every kind of half of the uh, 30, 30 seconds changing and I thought oh my gosh landscape photographer probably think it is a paradise it was I post one shot from uh, yeah from my phone and in in Twitter last night because it was spectacular you have to be um, lucky to have it yeah um, yeah Pam the but it's not such kind of bad weather, just uh, you have to be <laughs> adored that. I have remember we arrived in Denver, 90 degree, and in the two hours driving, when we arrived in Point was 20, and it snowed. This was very great transitions, and I make it actually quite wonderful shots, which been exhibited, in fact. I thought, okay, here it is. You got to make the best of a bad situation. But so, Dima, what, what happens with this uh, this week of, or two weeks, I guess, of bad weather? Um, was Were there any good photos that came of that? Was that uh, <clears throat> no, as far as I know, he actually had very, very um, like rough time with this group because, uh, again, uh, people were rich and uh, they were actually un very unhappy about the trip. And again, it wasn't his fault at all, but... Uh, uh, he had really hard time explaining why they they got like ten shots per <laughs> per two weeks, and this is it, right? And uh, yeah, so his plan B wasn't well prepared, I would say. But again, it's just my personal opinion. Uh, in the places like Patagonia, you cannot uh, rely on weather at all. Like an example, like 2019, right before pandemia. Uh, the good friend of mine, uh, very known photographer, uh, he went there a week before us, and they had the most like the worst weather ever. And the week came week after, it was the most pleasant weather. Weather, weather. Sorry, I, I, you can you really get in Patagonia, so it's unpredictable. Yeah, as long as you have Plan B and C and the like X Y Z, <laughs> you're you're good to go. Yeah, like yeah. There are always yeah some. Uh, tricky things yeah but um <laughs> don't don't drink too much it's just an advice <laughs> yeah exactly that's a that's always a good idea too <laughs> um although you have told us stories about these mountaineers where they're are, are, you're you're suggesting not to be drinking at alcohol al altitude um i think sabod maybe is the one who was like oh but that's where you get your energy so he's not here to defend himself right now <laughs> so he won't go into it hopefully he's having a really good trip um but I know, Dima, you need to, to, to run out of here in a few minutes. So um, I wanted, I'm really glad that we could hear uh, hear from you at their stories. And I would like to just open it up to the floor if anyone else has any kind of story that you'd like to share about, like something that went just a little less according to plan. Um, and uh, any speakers on stage, if you guys have any more to add to, we could hear from you. Um, 
and uh, I I do have a story I could share, but I didn't want to uh, jump in if someone else had one. <laughs> so we're looking for requests from the audience. Um, feel free to keep requesting, but maybe I'll I'll uh, go into a story that I have. Let me find the tweet that I just made. I I got a piece of show and tell. You guys are so good uh, that you have something to share that is um, a show and tell sort of thing. So I'm I'm putting up a screenshot that I just took. Uh, from my website um, and we've got Madra coming up to join us too so um, we'll get to your story here in just a minute but so this the screenshot that I shared um, it does look like a video uh, trailer um, that's because it is <laughs> it's a video trailer for uh, first film that I um, produce and the first film that a production company that I used that I had co-founded back in 2006 um, this was we basically founded our film company in order to produce this film called The Little Red Truck. And it's a story about uh, the Missoula Children's Theater. It is a documentary. And we basically um, got the funding to make the documentary. I had just finished photography school, so I was really good with my camera. And so I was going to be one of the cinematographers. And um, and we were uh, this was the very first set of kids that we were filming so it's basically uh we went to six or eight different locations around uh north america to film them and this was the very first one so um and as i was saying i just had finished photography school so i knew all about composition i knew how to like make things look really beautiful in the camera and in fact the shot that is uh, kind of the beginning of that i've showed you here is a still frame from the video camera that I was shooting. But um, what I was told by the director, um, he was like, okay, so uh, basically what you just need to do is, you know, like the, the kids were broken up into two different groups. They were in two different rooms. So he sent me into one room and he went into the other room and we were just supposed to film what was going on and um, fly on the wall type of documentary. We told the kids, don't look at us, you know, just like we're fly on the wall as camera people doing this shot. Um, so I was uh, seeing what was unfolding in front of me and, you know, trying to frame up the shot in the very best way. And um, I felt like I did a really good job, right? Cause theatrical lighting is really cool. Um, and the kids were told not to pay attention to us. So, you know, I was getting lots of really great, like uh, candid moments. I thought, I thought I was doing a really great job. Well, it turns out that when you use a, a video camera as if it were a stills camera, you get a lot of really unusable footage <laughs> because I was letting the camera roll, but I kept reframing and kind of like if someone would move a little bit, I would just like move my camera a little bit to keep that frame looking really, really good. Well, that is an absolute nightmare for the editor because there's no way to cut that. And your camera with your footage is always moving. And so what um, what I had done was I had like operated as a stills photographer, but while shooting video footage and the uh, the amount of hours it took for the editor to uh, find any usable footage from my half of what this first shoot was was an absolute nightmare. Um, the other sad part about it was he was also my fiance. So <laughs> this caused a little bit 
I wouldn't say expense, but I would say friction. <laughs> and um, I got some really quick training on how to shoot video versus stills. So that let me just go on another step further into the story is because I was like, okay, I get it. You're supposed to like hold the camera still, let the story play out in front of you, either that or make intentional camera movements with a video camera that are following a particular character. Don't just continue trying to frame up still shots um, and, and think that you're creating a, um, a film because you're really not. You're just creating a mess and a headache for the editor. So the other major um, headache that I caused for the director slash editor slash fiance is that um, when the fi the finale of at the end of the week all these kids have uh, have learned how to do a full scale musical and so um, we wanted to get this this musical like from beginning to end all um, shot with a um, with two two different perspectives so he said I'll go up on stage and I'll get these like close up shots. And I just want you out in the theater. Uh, you can just shoot the medium shots. And I'm like, okay, cool. That's great. I'll shoot the medium shots. And um, to me, I, again, came from the stills world, right? I had just gone through photography school. So I'm like a medium shot. That's kind of like, you know, kind of around maybe like from 35 millimeter up to maybe 70 millimeters. You know, I'm thinking like medium zoom, medium, all of that. And so... Um, and I was also, again, unaware of the video terminology. And so I thought, well, medium is about, I don't know, 15, 20 seconds, maybe something like that. So I created, again, a total nightmare and mess <laughs> headache for the editor because instead of letting the camera roll and capturing the entirety of like a performance of a song, I was only creating like 20 to 30 second snippets um, all at a medium, you know, wide angle. Um, and again, I delivered what I shot and the words that came out of his mouth, it's like, I, there's nothing usable because you cannot stitch together 20 second pieces, randomly shot 20 to 30 second pieces of a song and create anything like a finished uh, video. And so he had, he was shooting close-ups. I was shooting these wide angles. And of course, medium shot does not mean medium in length. It means medium in, uh, in your focal length. So um, after that, I got really good <laughs> being a cinematographer. I've won awards and I've kind of improved myself since then. But that was a really rough start. So that's my story. And this, uh, this screenshot, like I said, that I shared um, is... Uh, evidence that um, we did manage to uh, to win a bunch of awards with the film and, and improve ourselves since then. But boy, that first week was really, really rough. And um, I, I'm a really good cinematographer now, <laughs> as, as well as a photographer. But so that's my story. So I know, Dima, you are headed out. Um, so we will let you peel off if you're in the car we'll feel you bum sorry for this, for this okay. it was like oh dima say something 
<laughs> I'm like, I know. No, I, I knew he had to go. So if he's not able to speak, that's fine. I, I, I can hear you guys. I'll be driving. And uh, again, I'll be careful because we're not allowed to touch our phones while driving because police is really looking for us. But uh, I'll do my best to actually uh, respond on questions. But uh, yeah, I'll be quiet. That's okay. That's okay. Um, well, uh, I'm going to bring up also Dave Yoder. He knows a little bit about being behind the scenes. Uh, and so we're going to bring him up here. But yeah, I guess there, there's always the, um, there's always those, those times when you messed up so bad. <laughs> you're just like, there's just really nothing that can be done to save the day here. So you just have to learn from those situations and move on. Um, Dave, hey, welcome to the stage. Uh, would love to hear a story from you. Thank, thanks, Pam. Um, we might have some baby noises in the background. Um, we'll try to mitigate those. Um, so, so true. Uh, yeah, I've got a story for you a bit quickly. So true about the, you know, uh, this, this, the, the so-called seamless transition from stills to video. I, you know, I, I even before I did it, like when people were going, oh, 4K, oh, my God, you know, you're going to be able to just shoot video and stills at the same time. You know, I was like thinking absolutely no way. I mean, you know, the the, the movements uh, are, are completely, you know, completely different. And and and, you know, that that whole idea soon soon went away. But. But mine, mine, uh, my story comes from uh, back in the film days when I was um, working in Southern California at the Orange County Register back uh, back when I don't even know if it's still a newspaper anymore. Um, but it, but I worked there. Uh, I kind of like left university early to work there because there was an opening for a part-time position and they were one of only two or three newspapers in the country that, that shot uh, transparency. They shot slide film for their color. And that was really, really important to me because I, I just detest color neg uh, to this day. I'm, I'm, I'm just <clears throat> completely biased against color negative it's one of my things. I don't know, kind of like, phobia or, or you know spiders or something you know um and and uh so i was I, I was working there for a few years um where you know it was one of those things where they're kind of like abusing me as a full you know full-time staffer but classified as part-time and not getting the benefits and and they didn't really need to hire me because they already had me kind of thing. And, and so they were passing me over and, 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 uh, they, they were also kind of like underrepresented, uh, in, in certain, you know, areas. And, and I was, you know, I was like totally fine with, with, uh, being passed over to, uh, for that reason, you know, to, to, to level the playing field. Um, and at, at one point we were like, you know, the the I think it was about eighteen staff photographers, and it was like overstaffed by by one. And uh, you know, there there had been a recent hire that I wasn't eligible for. I interviewed, but I was told I wasn't eligible for it. You know, just because it, it needed to it needed to go to a minority. And 
<clears throat> which was fine by me again. Um, and, and so I was like losing hope that, that, uh, you know, I'd ever get hired there as a staff job. And I was out, you know, how California like doesn't handle extreme. I, I mean, California is like, you know, th this temperate climate that's like, you know, it's ridiculous. It, it's like, uh, people playing volleyball and in, in swimsuits on Christmas day on the beach and stuff like that. And, but they, it just does not handle uh, severe weather very well at all. You know, whether whether it be fires or, or in this case, uh, flash floods. And there was a night when uh, we were like deluged by uh, uh, rain, and there's flash floods all over the place. And and I and I basically ended up working all night. Uh, uh, and, and I, I had stopped in my, stopped in my truck to organize my gear halfway through the night. Um, and I had to get out to do it. And the, um, I got a call. We had, we had some kind of weird radio devices based on cell phone technology. So I don't remember exactly how it worked, but I got like a kind of a radio call saying that, that there's a report of somebody having been swept down. Uh, one of the flash floods and at the time <clears throat> there you know the policy for for stringers uh, was that if if your equipment was damaged on on assignment it would be replaced but you had to provide your own equipment um, and so I you know I get this call and and they they say we need you to check it out and and so I jump in the jump in my truck uh, you know, tear down the, tear down the 405, you know, that direction and, and get there. And I look in, you know, behind the seat and my cameras aren't there. My whole camera bag is not there. And I realized that I'd left it on top of my car. Um, uh, when, when I'd gotten that call and of course it was no longer on the top of the car either. And, and <clears throat> so all of my gear had been in it and, you know, to a, struggling freelancer that that's just you know a devastating you know situation so i had the i had the uh let's see i think it was either the next day or i went in i had a day off i think the next day and i went in and uh and and uh the deputy editor deputy photography editor chris was kind of he's a friend of mine and 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 I had I'd, I'd spoken to another uh, the editor who had originally hired me started working with me and I you know, I told her uh, about the problem she was like oh man that's that's not good that's not good for you because I mean it's like overstaffed and that's expensive and you know it's like they <laughs> you know it's like that that sounds like a really bad situation for you and. So I was like, well, I don't have any cameras. I have no cameras, no lenses, nothing to work with. So I, I, I'm going to have to have this talk with somebody, you know. So I went to Chris and I was like, I was like, Chris, I went in on my day off first thing, like 9 a.m. And I said, you know, when Chris looked at me, kind of startled that I was there. I was like, Chris, I need to talk to you. And he kind of looks at me and he, he goes, come back in, in, in half an hour. 
And so it came back in half an hour and he goes, uh, uh, give me another half hour. And so I, I went off and came back in half an hour. He goes, uh, uh, come back in an hour. And this went on all day, all day until the, uh, until into the afternoon. And, and, uh, the director of photography was there as well. And, and finally, probably around three or four o'clock, uh, uh, I, I swung past the photo desk again and, and, and Chris and the director of photography go, uh, Dave, come with us. And they took me into their office and they closed the door and said, have a seat. And I was like, Oh Jesus, you know, and, 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 uh, and, <clears throat> and I don't know which one of them said it, but, but, but he goes, uh, Dave, you, you keep causing us these problems. And I was like, Oh my God, you know, it's like, so, you know, so it, it got out. They found out, you know, and, and they said, uh, I think it was the, the DP set direct photography said, you, you keep taking these great pictures and we're just going to have to hire you. And I was like, what? And, and, uh, and he was like, uh, yeah, we, we want to hire you. And I, and I was like, what you mean? Like on staff, staff photographer. And they're like, yeah, yeah. Staff photographer job. And I was like, but I don't, I, but there weren't any openings. And he said, well, we want to hire you. And I was like, with benefits. And I like, none of it made any sense. Nothing made any sense at all. And, and I was like, well, yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Great. Um, and, and, uh, you know, there's like the congratulations and, and I was like turning to leave and, and Chris goes, so what did you need to talk to me about? And I said, Oh, never mind. Uh, absolutely not important right now. And, and, uh, so about a week later, Chris corners me in the garage and goes, so Dave, what did you need to talk to me about? And, and I told him and, <clears throat> and he just busts out laughing because, uh, when I had, uh, when I told him I needed to talk to him with this grave look on my face, he came to the wild conclusion that I had been offered a job somewhere and that, that, uh, if they didn't like hire me, that, that I was going to resign. So he went to the editor of the newspaper and said, you know, we, we got to hire him or he's going to, he's going to take this other job offer. And, and, and the problem was there was no money in the budget for, they were already over overstaffed, so it took him took them all day to uh, basically find the money to uh, create another position for me. So, um, so I, so it was it was an expensive personal thing, but I guess uh, it had a happy ending in terms of you know uh, uh, expensive mistakes. Wow, what a story. I feel I, I, I was like with you like this whole time, like the heart sinking feeling of like my camera is on the top of the car. Oh, my gosh. All the way up to uh, when they called you into the office. I was just like I was feeling like you were going to get uh, chastised or something, uh, you know, like for doing something wrong. And here you it turned out completely positive. Um, it's an awesome story. <laughs> um so let's let's go back to like the moment that you realized the camera was was on the top of the car. Uh, 
what, 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 what were you still driving? Like, I can't imagine that was a safe driving situation when, when you discovered that. Oh no, I didn't realize it until I had stopped at the destination and, and, you know, pulled the seat forward to grab my camera bag and it wasn't there. And I was like, you know, it was, it was one of those moments where I just like froze and nothing made sense. And I was like, why is my camera bag? Did I leave it at home? You know, it was like three in the morning or something. And I was pretty tired. So I was like, it's like, no, I, I didn't leave it at home. I was like, I was swapping lenses on the roof of the car. Oh my God. You know, it was one of those, um, one of those moments. And, and, uh, and I had, uh, you know, turned around when I got the call about some being swept, somebody being swept down a, you know, gully and, and then just jumped into the car from there without, you know, looking up onto the top of the car again. And, and so that I, I never knew, I never heard anything, never knew that the cameras had, you know, fallen off. And, but it was, uh, oh man, it was such nice gear too. It was like these, two Nikon F3 titaniums, you know, oh my God, they're such great cameras. And, and that legendary Nikon manual 1828, you know, that was just like so silky smooth, you know, and it was like, so God, such legendary equipment. And, and so it was, it was just such a heart. I, I, I just thought it was, it was like, uh, I can't even describe the feeling. I, you know, I thought that my career was over basically, you know, I was like, I, I'm just going to be bussing tables. You know, I, there's, you know, I, I, there, there's no way they're gonna just give me a whole new kit because I left it on top of the car, you know, and, and sure as hell, they aren't going to hire me now is what I was thinking, you know, after it screw up like that. But, you know, I guess, uh, because uh, you know, you never you never know how things are going to be interpreted. That's true, and and this. So I think it was Chris that you were that you were saying. He was like, "No, really, tell me what is it? What you were going to say?" I bet he also felt like, um, well, he might have felt silly for making an assumption, but I mean, I think it all worked out for everybody for, for the to the good because you know they're going to get continued amazing photos. They've got to they've got their claws in you now. So that like, you're not going to go uh, work for the competition or anything like that. And um, yeah, I can imagine your sinking feeling when they called you in the office too. Like what, what did you think they were going to say? Oh, I was sure they were going to fire me and, and their tone was really severe and they were doing it on purpose to make me feel like I was in trouble and they didn't know that I really was in trouble. Um, so that was where the double whammy was. And, and Chris, uh, so I, I, I just, I was sure that it was done. I was, I was cooked, you know? And, but, but when, when, you know, a week later when Chris asked me and just started laughing, Chris, he, he, he's, he wasn't the type of guy who'd feel silly. I mean, he's not, uh, he, he wasn't like, uh, you know, through and through corporate, you know, ego driven guy. He, 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 he was not at all uh, unhappy that he that that something a misunderstanding had gotten me hired you know uh, you know it, it wasn't 
it was it wasn't like that at all so so um not you know if i'm sure there's nobody from you know the old days of the register listening right now but that story is not well known at how i got hired there um i i i don't think i've told it widely uh ever before but but yep i got i got hired for screwing up um i suppose maybe that should be like on my resume it's like be careful be careful uh when like check check my rec my background carefully i love that story um i love that it turned out well for you and that um and there was so many like crisscrossed uh, assumptions that uh, that actually didn't um to be true and that should teach us something about assumptions too right but they do make a really good story yeah for sure well thanks dave for sharing that um feel free to hang out as a speaker and uh stick with us and we've got room up here for more speakers but we've had a little trouble keeping matter up here um but now we've got her and uh matter i'd love to hear a story from you how are you doing today hi fam i'm good how are you I'm doing great. I'm enjoying all of these stories and uh all the different types of things that uh that we might have had happen in our photography lives uh that didn't work out it's at least as assumed. Do you have something like that? Yeah, so it was really interesting listening to everyone's story. And hi everyone, hi Dima, hi Dora. So yeah, I do have a story like, you know, uh Uh, so i started photography like 5 years back 6 years back sorry and uh, you know i'm so uh, new to this field and so naive that i didn't even know how to store my data so i just bought this hard drive one single hard drive that i had and i used to store all my data there so i think in 2017 uh, one fine day my hard drive conked off and it was a it was a hard you know kind of a uh, you know heartbreak but uh, not that big uh, that not that big one because i had already started my new hard drive and this was like all my amateur pictures and you know when i was learning and uh, trying to understand photography though i did had uh, at that time you know uh, like a few travel pictures also from different countries that i visited but still they were like very uh, not up to the you know standards basically so it was like like my learning phase so well uh, but as but i did not learn from my mistake and uh, my second hard drive uh, which was full of my you know work by that time it had 2 years of my data seven countries uh, visited and you know I've, i had improved i had worked on my skills so uh, i was doing fine and that was kind of a treasure you know my photography treasure for me and uh, and in 2020 when we were in lockdown like in between that lockdown phase uh, nobody had anything to do so you know that was the time when i was using all my pictures or you know editing them re-editing them and this hard drive did start giving me those signals that you know something is going to happen but uh, somehow i chose to ignore these all these signals and one fine day the hard drive conked off again now this time it was a it was not a heartbreak it was a mini heart attack uh, i seriously went 
into a kind of you know depression i moved out of all my social media i was like maybe this is god signal that i'm not meant for photography and imagine being the lockdown and nobody knew when they could travel again so uh, you know losing all your data can't move out to create new uh, new images cannot travel outside so that was one of the most depressing time then as we all get up we all you know pick ourselves up we start working again we work hard again so yeah but then i now i've learned from my mistake this was a big 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 blow because i literally lost my treasure this time so um, now i make three backups of uh, whatever i click i have a backup you know hard drive i have a uh, normal hard drive i have i clouds i have 30000 pictures on my uh, iphone but that's okay i don't want to lose a single picture anymore so i guess this was one of the most uh, expensive mistake i made mentally you know and emotionally and financially Oh that's heartbreaking to me. And also during 2020 when I mean not only could you not travel to make new photos but you couldn't even like travel to go see a friend and be like I need a hug because I can imagine the the feeling of just uh loss that you might have had uh to discover that during a time when you couldn't even have contact with friends. I'm so sorry about that story. absolutely that was like you know uh, that was i think as a photographer that was my worst uh, worst few days you know to bring myself out of it and again start uh, you know and uh, you're right nobody there was nobody with me at that time i was all alone and yeah i did speak to a few friends and they were like trying to cheer me up and all that but nothing worked at that time i myself after a while i was like no no i'm not giving up i have to you know again start doing everything and um, we'll see how it happens i'm sure you know the pandemic will end someday and i will be able to travel and fortunately uh, i could travel after that and create new content and new pictures and new images but yeah uh, losing that particular hard drive which had around seven countries data was a nightmare i'm so sorry to hear that how what is what a system are you using now like uh in terms of your workflow to uh to create um a barrier against this happening again <laughs> um and do you do any backup while you're in the field also like when you when you're traveling uh no i don't backup uh, when wherever i go whenever i travel so i do carry my laptop and uh I now uh, now I don't uh, save my data on um, uh, the hard drives I save it on SSDs sorry they call this SSDs the ones um, which like are sol- more secure solid state yeah like solid state yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Th- those yeah, ones yeah. yeah so I immediately whenever I shoot I come back and I transfer my data immediately to that then uh, also you know uh, with my Nikon uh, 750 those uh, drive uh, the sd cards that i have i never delete them i keep them like when once they are full i just store them i do not you know delete them and reuse them so uh, that's the second way i uh, store my data third is i have a, a 10 tb hard drive uh, backup hard drive of seagate 
so that is where i save all my data once i'm back you know uh, back uh, after the, my shoot in the sense of i'm back to my country my house after my shoot then i that's the third place i save my data and whenever i edit i put them i've got icloud as well so whatever i edit i straight away put them on icloud so these are the you know ways that i now store my data i try to be very careful that i don't lose them again well you've been through the ringer on that it's good that you have some systems in place to to prevent that happening oh my gosh i can imagine so how are you feeling with your photography are you improving uh, to the point where it's a little less of a loss uh, those first i know that's all the countries and everything was a uh, um something would be hard to repeat but how are you feeling about like the progress of your actual practice of photography so i said so as, as i mentioned uh, the first uh, hard drive that i lost i wasn't that disturbed because uh, i was progressing at that time but the second one had uh, you know a lot of pictures which over the, i was you know uh, editing and re-editing them as i progressed in photography and in on photoshop basically so uh, that's one regret because uh, i could have uh, used them again and I, i could have come up with better uh, images you know the pose uh, i see a, my picture as a canvas when i click them it's a canvas for me and i then uh, bring them to shoot, uh, photoshop and then i paint them like you know so uh, basically that is art for me uh, when i just bring those empty canvases on my laptop and i start editing them that is when i create my art so yeah uh, you know in these times i have i've attended a lot of uh, post processing classes i have uh, worked with a lot of uh, uh, top end photographers to improve my everything so obviously i could manage to create a lot of uh, pictures after that after you know the lockdown also i could travel luckily i was lucky enough to travel but yeah those uh, but the, the the sad part about landscape photography is that you know the sunrise i have never seen a sunrise repeating itself or you know a, a place which has a certain kind of an aura on a certain day will not will ever not be repeated so uh, you know the loss is a loss uh, for me yeah but i am trying to create new uh, uh, new uh, pictures i am uh, working on them and i'm definitely improving uh, improving with time yeah well that's a positive outcome i guess that comes from that do you use um, in addition to photoshop do you use lightroom too yeah i do i start my work on lightroom and most of my work is done on lightroom and then you know for the final editing for the final touch up i uh, take it to photoshop so lightroom is the uh, lightroom has really advanced in uh, these few years so i think i really don't need to i like photoshop is absolutely the last part that i do where i need really need to do a little bit of you know uh, removing few things which are not being a, not a part of the picture or you know those uh, high end editing but all the rest of the editing is on lightroom yeah um and are you are you being careful to make a backup of your lightroom catalog too ah uh, no that is one thing i don't do i am working on you know uh, macbook pro and the sad part is that and a lightroom pro lightroom also doesn't give you that kind of space as a photographer you know you need a lot of you need, you don't need gbs you need tvs basically 
so no i'm not doing that i think i should somehow work on it and you know uh, save my lightroom data as well uh may I add a couple of things guys uh mathur um actually uh i'm really happy you actually have a free backups because there is a rule keep free backups in two different places just in case if your let's say a house just burned down you still get another set somewhere else but uh, talking about lightroom uh, there is an option to actually back up your catalog uh either weekly daily or well, well then you close your lightroom and it's not question of terabytes because what it does in fact it just uh, archived it and zip it so let's say you have a 1 gigabyte catalog it can easily uh, go down to like uh, 100 meg and uh, it's all well very well archived because it's a database uh, on sqlite and uh, yeah please do your backups and store it somewhere else don't forget your catalog it's all your post processing all your history of all your works you've done right not only photographs but also your post processing skills in there i totally agree with you dima i should start doing this somehow i don't know why i uh, i just skipped this part and i used to save it earlier but uh, in after i i started saving on three or four other devices i think i i am doing a mistake of not uh, saving it on uh, lightroom catalog i think i should start this now i i should take your advice seriously yeah i think um that's that's one of those important steps i mean it does it all of like even all of the ratings like if you've been, like gone through and been like one star three stars or red flag, green flag, any of these kind of labels that you put or any work that you've done, any like um, uh, any edits that you've done that, you know, that data is also saved in the Lightroom catalog. So maybe uh, Dima, we could, <laughs> Dima is of course an expert at Lightroom and teaches um, different Lightroom techniques um, in workshops that he does. So I would listen to him and maybe he can help um, if you have any questions about that. Uh, about how to actually create the, the Lightroom backup. But that's a good one. That's you would that would be another heartbreak because you know you wouldn't leave you wouldn't lose the images and the data because like you say you've got it backed up in three places. But any of the work that you've done to those images would just be uh, dissolved if the Lightroom catalog was somehow damaged or lost. Um, Dave, I see your hand up. Let's go to you. Oh Excellent. Yeah, I was wondering if that's what it actually meant, uh, as I'd hoped. Um, wow, Dima, I uh, didn't realize you're involved uh, promoting Lightroom. You're really going to hate me. Uh, now, I was, I, I'm, I'm a Capture One person, um, and and uh, I, I was going to really arrogantly say that Adobe has the worst uh, well, I shoot Canon, and, and I don't know about the other cameras, but Adobe has far and away the worst raw converter for for Canon cameras. I mean, it's just, like, awful. And and I was just going to add that, but now I think I'll de-emphasize that since uh, I may be offending somebody. But um, about the analogy about, um, you know, the house might burn down someday and you might lose everything, blah, 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 uh, that's true. That, and I know that because it happened to me. And I lost ninety-five uh, percent of my film archive. Uh, almost all of my film is gone uh, from an apartment fire. Um, and you know, I'd been out uh, for Christmas, and uh, there was a fire, and and it destroyed 
almost everything. So uh, don't 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 take it as this hypothetical because it actually happens to somebody that you know now, you know, and and you know, of course, it was tragic, and I lost my entire Granta collection, which was huge, and 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 that was tragic as well. And what I've been using, um, there's a what's that three two one thing? It's like two on site, one off site. Um, I suppose one. I'm I'm using Backblaze for online backup, uh, and I've been pretty pretty happy with it so far. Um, it seems to be the cheapest, most photography cent centric uh, or hard drive centric uh, method that that I've found to back up uh, unlimited amounts of storage. Um, uh, you know, for for nine bucks a month and. You know, like our, we're working on our first documentary film, and that's like, I think that's sixteen or eighteen terabytes of, of uh, footage, and and that's all backed up, you know, uh, on on Backblaze and all the hard drives and everything like that. So, so, and and I've tested it out, and it seems to work fine in terms of of recovering it. Um. So. That's 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 a solution uh, as well. If if buying, you know, hard drives all the time is uh, is a big problem, and and hard drives do fail, and they need to be tested. I mean, they if you're gonna if you're gonna archive on hard drives, you have to test them uh, uh, at least every six months with with something like Drive Genius uh, that they can test for bad blocks because uh, I've I've had lots of hard drives fail. Um, and luckily by testing them, I've been able to catch, uh, most of them, well, virtually all of them, um, before they fail. I think there was only one that, that crashed so hard it was unrecoverable, but it, it's definitely, you know, something that has to be worked into, you know, every budget just as seriously as that lens that you want to buy and, and that camera that you want to buy, you know, you need, you need three backups, you know, because if if you lose, if you only have two backups and you lose one of them, uh, having only one copy of your of your work is, is, you know, not enough because, you know, Murphy's Law dictates that it's it's going to go down within, you know, within a day that that other that very last copy of that, that you have. So so I never I never have less than three backups. Um and at least one of them is always off-site. So anyway, that's all I wanted to say. Um, Dave, uh, thanks, actually. And again, no offense. <laughs> I'm not Adobe uh, player. I'm, I'm my own player. And again, uh, the best tool for post-processing is the one you know the most. <clears throat> and uh, the Lightroom has some advantages and disadvantages. And I absolutely agree. Their raw processing engine is not the best, for sure. But they have the most beautiful cataloging system because, uh, like an example, I have about half a million files for my 15 years of experience. And I have to make sure I'll be able to find any file at any different criteria. And Lightroom is really good at this. And again, uh, if, you, if you combine your Lightroom with, with Photoshop, you can basically do anything at all. And again, talking about Capture One and... Uh, uh, other converters, they have their own engines, and at some point they're even better than Lightroom. But again, 
<clears throat> I've been like pro player for 12 years already, and uh, like we're using like pros and cons. Uh, for me, Lightroom is still the best tool. And yes, I, I do about 80% in Lightroom and the other 20 in Photoshop. And uh, <clears throat> same as Laura, uh, only then I need to really uh, polish it and make it like really like final touchy picture, then I'll use the Photoshop. For the most of the edits, Lightroom is fine. And talking about backups, um, I absolutely agree. And again, sorry about your loss, about your house. But even uh, uh, talking about uh, those remote backups, uh, if you read their agreement, uh, it clearly says no guarantee. So, uh, that means they'll take your copy, they'll take your money, but uh, as long as they're okay with the environment, they'll keep it. But if something happens, they have, they have no guarantee they'll give your data back. Like an example, a couple, couple of years ago, there was a fire in the um, data center in the U.S. and uh, they lost all their backups and they, they just basically gave nothing back and they did no apology except a stupid letter saying we apologize for any inconvenience, right? So it's great to have a remote backups, but at the same time, yeah, make sure you have it somewhere else physically, like in your hands. It's, it's very important. And the, personally, I use a two different NAS environment and RAID 10. I, I invest a lot of money in them only because my pictures is my the pr most precious stuff I have, right? Uh, not only because it's uh, money, but it's just memories, right? And I think we all do the same. So at some point, I would advise to actually use NAS as a storage and connect direct to your, to your system. But it's something else we can talk about maybe in other space as well. Oh yeah, I uh, I actually totally agree with you about Lightroom as a cataloging uh, uh, program. It, it is the best out there, and Capture One has has gotten better, but it's still not as fast uh, as Lightroom, and it it can be a little bit buggy. Um, I I've just gone ahead and chosen it because they finally added layering uh, into it, and um, and you know a few other features that were really lacking and and for me the difference is that no matter what it's working off of the raw file uh the original raw and what what bothered me about lightroom before was that i that i would have to you know make a good conversion out of you know either uh canon's digital photo professional or capture one and then import a tiff file into into Lightroom, and that and that was the the step that I could do without. And and there there's without question a lot of things that Lightroom is is really good at. Um, I just uh, wanted to throw that in. And and I I've got a crying baby here, and I couldn't hear everything you said about the online backups. But I I don't know if you were I don't know if you were speaking specifically about backblaze or what but that kind of sounds like the standard uh disclaimers like sure we'll host your data but we can't guarantee its survival in in the event of this or that which i would imagine would be pretty i mean that that's like everybody does that right i mean it's not that were you talking about backblaze in particular or, or is that i don't i don't mean only only rely on that by god god no i've got I've got two copies uh, on hard drive, uh, in addition to the online thing, and I and I test them every month. Uh, do a full surface scan uh, every month, you know, uh, and and uh, 
I suppose, you know, after that, if something's going to happen, it's going to happen. Yeah, uh, I don't remember the company and the exact their name, but I just, uh, about two years ago, there was a huge fire, and uh, I was really shocked to actually, to understand that they do not guarantee anything. They just store it uh, till something happens, right? So it's good as a temporary backup, but not as a really source you can trust. That's just the, the biggest concern. Yeah, it's, as, a, as a temporary solution, is fine. And again, don't forget, if you're somewhere else in the field and you need to have access to your backups, there is no way you can get there <laughs> uh, to, to this uh, T1 or like uh, fiber optics connection. So sometimes it's really good to use good old uh, hard copies in your hands. Yeah, but uh, remote locations are fine as a temporary, yeah, or as a any other backups, yeah, but not hundred percent backups. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I no, I don't mean online as as anything you'd ever use in the field. I I just mean that like after you get back and and you're figuring out or, and and you're oh, sorry about the ambient uh, music in the background. Um, the uh, I, no, I only meant that as I, I would never use something like that in the film in the field and and. I think that actually raises a really good point uh, that uh, to make sure that whatever online company you choose has at least two mirroring sites on like opposite sides of whatever country it's in uh, or world, you know, because if it if it's only based in one site, yeah, that's a that's a recipe for uh, disaster. But uh, okay, I'm gonna stop torturing everybody now. Thanks. Thanks, Pam. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Um, it sounds like someone's kind of sad over there in your house, <laughs> so I hope everything gets sorted out. Um, but, yeah, so, so Maduro, thank you so much for bringing up this topic, um, and, you know, it, it really, I think, kind of launched a, a cool conversation about um, techni techniques that other people use and just things um, maybe that you might want to start doing so we don't... Uh, we don't have any more, like next time we have this type of space, you'll be like, I got nothing. I'm all good. <laughs> it's all working really well. Um, so I hope that that happens. Um, I am going to say we're going to, we're going to wrap it up um, here pretty quick, unless um, any of our speakers have any more stories they would like to share. Um, Laura, let's go to you. No, I just wanted to, to say that I just found one picture from that session, the terrible session. And I, I posted to my profile just in case you're curious. Not bad. I, I used to over Photoshop the photos at that time, but I like it anyway. I just shared it to the space. Thank you for that. Let's take a look at it. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Wow. Really cool. Oh, wow. I <laughs> I, I really like the scene. It's thank so cool. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I remember. Uh, I, I like the photo any, anyways, uh, uh, after all. That's the problem. I love the photos, after all. Well, of course, because <laughs> you you were creating them, creating them with your heart. So, of course, they are. They stick with you. Um, I just want to thank everyone. And thanks for sharing that, Laura. That, that's a, that's a really great, um, like 
punctuation point to put on on that story and on our space today, uh, where we were talking about um, our most expensive mistakes or or circumstances that actually happened in in a photography um, or photography experiences. So we've heard some really wild stories. I don't know if anyone in the listeners has another story to share. We'd love to to hear yours, but. Um, I'm not seeing any hands raised. So I think we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. I just want to say thank you to Dima, my co-host, and um, hope that uh, his day goes really well and that he does end up getting his passport from the Canadian Passport Office. And so he can go back to traveling and leading workshops around the world because um, that's what he is here for. <laughs> and Laura, Madur, Dave, uh, everyone else, um, thank you so much for joining us. Um, this has been Pam Both. I'm your host here on Slika, and we meet in the Slika darkroom every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday um, to talk about anything having to do with photography and NFT photography. Um, the next time we'll be gathering together will be Wednesday, and Wednesdays are the Slika drop party days. So we'll be hearing from photographers who have a new drop that's just about ready to drop, or something that has come out recently or maybe something that um, dropped a couple months ago and you'd like to just refresh it in our memory. So I welcome everyone back for that. It's a really good place to learn about new work, um, meet new photographers. And so I hope we all uh, will see each other um, on Wednesday. And for now, I would just wish you all a happy Monday and uh, hope that you have a really great rest of your day. Um, take these lessons to heart that uh, you guys so cour courageously shared with us. Um, I really appreciate your um, your willingness to share a little bit about um, a mishap maybe that, <laughs> that happened and what you learned from it and what we can all take away from it. That's what community is all about. We're here to help each other. So thanks a lot. I'm going to wrap it up for now and we'll see you all on Wednesday. Bye for now. <laughs>